Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Harriet Kamak. I'm the host of Down to Earth. And this morning we have on our show to talk about an issue that is something to think about, something to talk about. How are you all doing? It's been a few days that we've been absent from the space, I trust that you have been listening to other episodes of Down to Earth available on all the podcast platforms. And I thank you so much for your continued support. But today I want to talk about something that I feel that a lot of us can resonate with, and that is the fact that a lot of black women experience racism in the workplace, and that pursuant to that, there are some after effects of trauma. Isn't it interesting? Because right now, as we look at the space that we live in, we recognize that a black woman is on the Democratic Party's ticket for vice president. And what does that mean for black women in America? It means a lot because it it is some sort of an affirmation that black women are capable, just as capable as a white woman is to do this. But there are many black women who work in workspaces where they're constantly exposed to what we call microaggressions where they're constantly exposed to demeaning behavior. (laughs) Somebody's saying what? Like seriously? Yeah, where they're constantly exposed to behavior that can be perceived as being microaggressive, that can be perceived as being aggressive. We have become so accustomed to it that we perhaps don't even realize the extent to which that adds to the trauma of our life, of our lives. As, As people of color, we're constantly living in a state of traumatization. It's amazing to me. I'm not talking about white women in the workplace. That's a whole lot of so white women don't need any more affirmation. White women have the whole society at their disposal. They have 400 year a 400 year head start. They have everything available to them. So white women are okay. They want more and more of the pie, but it doesn't mean they occupy the space. And they're often the ones too who are dictating the terms and the, the, how this space is, is controlled in the workspace. And whatever they choose to do is sanctioned by the white man. So this is not about white women, okay? Let's talk about what the issue is. You may object to it, and you're entitled to your objection, but let's look at the other players in the workplace, right? And that's what we're looking at. We're looking at people who are often overlooked, black women. Black women are overlooked. They're educated, we're educated, we're trained, but we are not given the same opportunities. We're not exposed to the same opportunities. We're critiqued and criticized more than anybody else. Like simply, like isn't, isn't that the craziest thing ever? Like why are we criticized so much? Why are we subject to, 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 to so much more criticism as compared to a white woman who gets away with it? Uh, we, this is 21st century America. And so We're talking about these issues because they're uncomfortable, but we must continue the conversation. Uh, Just recently, John Lewis died, 
He marched on civil rights 50 years ago, was beaten, hosed, and arrested for protesting against injustice. And that was 60 years ago. And this is continuing today. What gives? So if we don't continue to talk about these things, how will we erase them? Right? And I'm sure that other people have issues, but your issues, our issues are not the same. We need to recognize that. We come from different parts of the spectrum. So we have different experiences. And a healthy respect for someone else's experiences is what is required here, right? Just because you have never experienced uh, dissatisfaction or you have never been misplaced or displaced does not mean that it hasn't happened to someone else. And when it happens to someone else, it is equally as traumatizing. There's a lot of empathy that is lacking. We need to be a little bit more empathetic sometimes. And take the shoe off and walk around in someone else's shoe to see what it feels like. Because, frankly, we run the risk of sounding, of alienating a large group of people. I'm beginning to think that a big part of the problem we're facing is the lack of awareness that the country has irrevocably changed and irreversibly changed. Joe Biden said a few days ago that something I thought was very remarkable for a white man who is powerful, part of the power elite, part of the power structure in the country to say. And he said that he had to choose a vice president who looks more like how the country looks today. That is remarkable because American workplaces and workspaces do not reflect how the country looks. They're still occupied by white people who are male and female. They're still controlled and operated and run by white males. Their next in charge are white women. It does not reflect how the country looks. There are people of color in the country who are just as qualified, if not better. Do you see what I'm saying? So we need to be able to buy. <laughs> That's fine, buy. We need to be able to, I'm sorry I couldn't please you, but it is what it is. But thank you for stopping by. Um, but we need to be able to understand that there are people in the country who are not all white. I know that you want to think so, but the country has changed. In a few years, by the year 2040, the population of the country, the majority of the country will be brown, will not be white. So we need to have leaders, not just politically but also in workplaces that understand that. And if you can't understand that and embrace it, step aside because the wave is coming anyway. It's something that has been building and mushrooming for years. And we must find a way to be able to cope and deal with it. I am a black woman. I underestimated the degree to which workplace racism affected me. I run my own nonprofit, right? So I operate my own nonprofit that provides services to victims of human trafficking. I cannot begin to tell you how difficult that undertaking was to set it up and to find funding to keep it. I, I just thought it was me. I didn't realize that it was about the blackness of who I am. Whereas a white woman starting gets all the support from the society all the support from the establishment, but a black woman starting it just does not. I couldn't understand it. So if, if, so pardon me if, if my own uh, experiences do not resonate 
with the prevailing ideology that this that this doesn't happen. Let me just explain this to you. Ignoring this issue and pushing it under the rug does not make it go away. There are still black and brown women who are experiencing racism in the workplace every day, and they're still going to talk about it, and they're still going to do something about it. There are still brown women who are scientists who have to defer to the white male or the white woman, even though they are more qualified, they're more experienced in the field that they're in. That is not fair. They're equally as traumatized and perhaps have not addressed the traumatization that comes from dealing with and addressing racism in the workplace. This is a serious issue. It's such a serious issue that I'm going to read to you the articles that I read. Dr. Monica Williams, who is an associate professor at the University of Ottawa, speaks specifically to this issue. She wrote on this issue. She addresses this issue. And she talks about the traumatic effects that black women in the workplace experience. I dare say that black men experience it as well. But the degree to which a black man experiences it might differ from a black woman. Because in some workspaces, the black, hiring a black man, promoting a black man is seen as a priority because they want to appear to be diverse and inclusive. But a black woman is weighed down on the totem pole. You, my daughter graduated uh, college, graduated law school. She went to work for an all-white firm. She thought, despite what I said, <laughs> she thought that she could go and work for this white firm right here in Sinclair Shores, Michigan. She thought she could just, just because she graduated law school, just because she's now qualified and so on, that, that was all it took. You know, nothing in her background that would indicate any kind of issues. Fine. She went to work for a white firm, an all-white firm, run by a white male, an old white male. Yes, he's near 70, so they tend to digress even if they were progressive before, they tend to digress into their racism. And she was humiliated in 90 days. Believable. It was, it was just simply the, the stuff she would come home and talk about was crazy. I am so glad that she had me as her support because we were able to work through it. She couldn't believe it. And she kept saying this. She said, I can't believe it happened to me. And I'm like, why wouldn't it happen to you? Do you see what I'm saying? The trauma that spoke from that. She had anxiety. She went into depression. She developed something that, am I not good enough? I have to say, are you kidding me? I gave birth to you. What have I been raising you all these years to tell you? She was an attorney. She was trained as an attorney. What is different about her her than a white than the white girl who graduated school. She, my daughter, went to three universities. She graduated the top ten, the top nine of her class from law school. How is she not eminently qualified? She interned at the Cook County Prosecutor's Office in Illinois. She interned also with a nonprofit that specializes in labor law. How is she? How would she think that she's not qualified? to work in family law as an attorney in training. Do you see what I'm saying? But the trauma that she experienced, and I became concerned about it because it began to feel familiar. I had experienced that when I worked. 
But at the time, I was so busy raising my children, I kept telling myself I didn't have the time and the luxury to pay attention to what was taking place inside of my mind. What was taking place inside of my mind was the resulting trauma from being traumatized racially. I couldn't deal with it. I recognized that there was something wrong, and I felt like the only way I could deal with it was to work around it by becoming my own employer. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you look at the space, everybody is probably not going to start a nonprofit. Everybody is probably not going to start an LLC. And some of and some people, based on who they are and where they come from, have a goal in mind that they must do something and they get employed and then they deal with it. So I want to tell you what this the traumatic effects are so that you understand. The whole goal of this is for us to develop an understanding. It's not designed to alienate. You might have very strong views about it one way or another, and you are going to have those views, unfortunately, because it is going to land on you in a very different way. Because a lot of how a black woman is perceived and presented comes from the white male patriarchy. The white male patriarchy says a black woman is always angry. So If we're confident or assertive, then we are perceived as being angry. Kamala Harris is confident. The president calls her a a man-woman. He calls her nasty. Those are demeaning derogatory terms to refer to a woman who is someone's wife, someone's mother, someone's auntie, someone's cousin, someone's friend, someone's boss. But the white male establishment does not tear him down for saying that. The white male patriarchy and white women don't come out and tell the president that you can't speak to women like that. Why? It's perfectly allowable. They're used to it. In their private spaces, this is how black women are seen and portrayed and discussed and talked about. So hearing a white man who is powerful express it is normal. It's the normalizing of the normative behavior patterns that make racism in the workplace extremely dangerous to the mental health of black women. And I dare say brown women. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so we have to be careful. Exactly. Facts. Facts right there. Right? <laughs> Facts number one. Do you see what I'm saying? So now... When you're in a workplace environment like I have found myself in and something goes wrong where you are treated differently than someone who is non-black. And if you speak up, then you become the angry black woman. So you hold back and you don't say anything. Well, that's healthy because holding all that anger in eventually it's going to affect you. It produces sleeplessness and lack of an, an anxiety and depression. Are we on the same page here? Why is nobody concerned? Why is it that black women are talking in, 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 in a vacuum? Kamala Harris was, was named as vice president and people on my Facebook timeline went crazy. They called her all kinds of names. And when I spoke up in defense of her, as a black woman and an accomplished black woman, woke up in defense of her, they went cut him after me. I had to say, hold up, hold up, hold it up right here, right now. You cannot disrespect 
a black woman. On my timeline, don't disrespect women, period, but you definitely are not going to disrespect a black woman. And you're not going to disrespect someone who is accomplished. And I had to sit back and think about that for a second. Seriously, y'all, I had to think about it because my mind was doing flashbacks to all the black women. In America, all the black women everywhere who have had to put up with stuff in workplaces. It drove my mind because Kamala Harris's workplace is right in front of us, isn't it? It's in the Senate. It was in the, in the Attorney General's uh, office in California. Her workplace is right here in front of the media. That's her workspace. And to see her being handled like that brings back all the trauma that we as black women have experienced. It is the craziest stuff ever. Do you realize how badly we are treated and mistreated? So, of course, I'm not going to stand for that. I'm not going to stand up there for you to come at me and to come and say something like that. I'm not going to put up with that. That's unheard of. Do you see what I'm saying? So the, the post-traumatic effects, it becomes something that after you leave a workplace where you experienced racism and you were attacked, you, you, everybody knows what racism is. White people know what racism is because they live it and practice it every day. There's nobody who does not know what racism is. Okay? So you practice it and implicit biases that we all have, that we bring to our work environment, and we talk to people, and we treat people based on how we have been socialized to perceive people. We've been socialized to look at black women as unimportant, as rubbish, as garbage, as a football you can kick around. You listen to the culture today, and you listen to people like Kanye West running for president, which is the biggest, sickest joke ever, right? And you listen to people like that who talk about black women like they're crap and who has had sex with black women, came out of a black woman, but talks about black women like foolishness, and the president exalts him. The white patriarchy exalts him and affirms him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we are fighting, the problem with us is that we are fighting battles. It's not just one little microaggression battle that you go to work and your older white boss, middle-aged white man hates black women and denigrates you even though you went to law school and have a law degree. Even though you went to school and you got your master's degree. Even though you went to school and got your bachelor's degree. Just like he has. But the fact that you have it, he still talks down to you like you're a piece of garbage. And if you dare to speak up, you become the angry black woman. How many people has that happened to? Well, I'll tell you what. As for me and my crowd, as for me and myself, then you better be prepared to call me the angry black woman every day because I am going to speak up. Because it is incumbent upon me. I have young women behind me. If I don't speak up and show them the way, that they must address this, then how are they going to be? They're just going to come and be lulled into this false sense that it is acceptable 
for you to be mistreated. It is acceptable for you to be kicked around. It's acceptable for you to be demeaned. Even though you went to school, you went to, you went to college, you're a doctor, you went to medical school, you studied, you have your advanced degree, you have your bachelor's degree, you have your accomplishments under your belt, but it's okay for people to mistreat you, people who are less than you, people who did, probably didn't even graduate college, people who didn't accomplish anything. It's not going to be okay on my watch, no time, anytime soon. And I hate to tell y'all, I'll be around for a long time. For a long, long time. It's going to be a while. So get used to it. Do you see what I'm saying? The, the, the trauma, the post-traumatic effect. So let me lay out a scenario. So you're working in an environment. A black woman is working in a, in a firm. She's subject to performance reviews. Every day that she's subject to performance reviews, every year or whenever performance reviews happen, sometimes they're annual, sometimes they're quarterly, sometimes they're biannually. Personally, I think they should be annually. I don't think anybody should go through a performance review quarterly. It's too nerve-wracking, okay? So every time she goes through a performance review or at the completion of a task, let's say she's a, she's a, she's a, she's a, a, you know, a lawyer and she's on a case. So she's not the only person on the case, so she has other people on the case. So one of the partners in the firm will come and ask you, how did you handle it? Then he will criticize. But notice there's a way in which he criticizes you, the black woman, that is very different from how he criticizes the white people on the team. Then after a while, so you take the criticism and you absorb it and you see it as a teachable moment. You say, okay, okay, okay. But then you notice that this happens to you continually. So then you start wondering, is it me? So if you speak up in that kind of environment, you sound like the angry black woman. You're supposed to not speak up. You're supposed to, according to the society, be silent and be invisible. You're only supposed to be the maid to the white woman. And I want to know, which one of you all want to come talk to me like that? You all think you're brave enough? Come over here, talk to me like that. <laughs> Let me show you where maid is. You are my maid. I don't don't get me started. Do you see what I'm saying? It brings that thing out. How dare you speak to someone who is eminently qualified and who has passed the levels that is required by their course of study? How dare you speak to a woman who is an accomplished woman who has traveled in circles? that you can only dream of, but because you believe you're white, you think you're entitled to it. This has got to stop. There are women who are scientists today, who are Latino, who are from South Asia. I'm talking to my sisters from South Asia and who are from the Caribbean and who are from Africa and who are from other parts of the diaspora. I'm talking to you all. Be ye affirmed this day. You are scientists. You have traveled in circles. You have worked on infectious disease cases. You have worked in environments. You think different. And yet you have to be subject to someone who barely finished community college, barely has a bachelor's degree, but they're supervising you who have three degrees. My God in heaven, how could you not see that this is racism? You are living in denial. This is racism, and it is aggressive racism. It is designed, and it is in its intent, it's designed to rip you out. Let me tell you what happens to a woman who is subject to that. When she goes home, she can't sleep. 
she falls into anxiety because now you're constantly expecting them to come at you. That environment is deliberately created where they subject you to always think that your performance is always on a review. How dare you? What makes you think you are better? You need a revision of who is human and who is not. The last time I checked, there are only two kinds of human beings on the planet, male and female. It never describes what color they are. You're either male or female. What we have done in this country is marginalize people based on color and attach negative perceptions based on what we think people should be. Look at all these people who come, all these all, all these folks who come from, from the Philippines, who come from all parts of South Asia. They were they went to medical school before they got here, y'all. And yet we come, they come here and we treat them like they're nothing. They come here and we treat them like they're maids. And they have more knowledge and more experience than most people have in their fingertips. That's called racism. We have come to a time of reckoning in America, and we don't like it. I just had someone on my Twitter timeline who is talking about white women in the workplace. Did I talk about white white women in the workplace need no more affirmation? They have it all. They have it going on. A white woman makes 71 cents to the dollar. A black woman makes 60 cents. How is that equal? How is that equal, y'all? A Latina woman makes 58 cents. How is that equal? Went to the same schools, went to the same course of study, and yet you are paid 12 cents more than I am for the same degree. How is that equal? You are treated and given opportunities to advance. How is that equal? So I go to work every day, and I work in an environment that is oppressive, I work in an environment that constantly demeans me. I work in an environment where I'm reminded that I'm nothing and I'm nobody. It affects my self-esteem. I go home, I have anxiety, I have lack of sleep. Before you know it, your blood pressure runs so high that you end up in the emergency room. I read one story of a young woman who went to work as a staff writer at a magazine. And she worked in that environment, and nothing she did was right. After they did, when they hired her, they didn't tell her that she was expressly supposed to write only about black issues. When she sought clarification, they told her they were watching what other publications published. Every idea she came up with was never good enough. Every idea she suggested, they would tell her, frankly, I expected more of you. Who the hell are you? to really come and tell me that having been trained as a writer, that my ideas are not good enough, as if you become the law and order and the Lord God and judge. This same young woman lasted only four months in that position. She ended up in the emergency room with blood pressure so high. I say to you all today, this has got to stop. Right? This has got to stop. We need to pay attention. I've been saying it for years. We need to pay attention to the ways in which we talk to people and how we treat people. Just because you have a position does not mean 
that that gives you the right to speak to people any old-fashioned way. We've got to come to a place where we understand that just because you look different from me does not mean that I'm going to believe what my socialized perceptions have told me about you. The country has changed irrevocably. It's not going to go reverse. People from Northern Europe are not emigrating to America. So that kind of whitewashedness is gone. Right? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> That's not going to happen. The country is going to get brown because everybody is coming together, whether you like it or not. So to grandma and grandpa down in Alabama and Arkansas, sorry, <laughs> but your grandkids are mixing it up, okay? <laughs> and they like it. And they're going to stay mixed because they like it. Let people be. Let them love whom they love. Let them be whom they want to be. But more importantly, we've got to come to this space where we recognize that we have, we have treated black women irresponsibly. I am one of them. I have experienced racism, classism, and every kind of ism there is from the white patriarchy. Ignored, passed over, and then hear my idea repeated down the road. Unbelievable. Till it got to the place where I had to say you have to speak up, but then I'm like, if I say anything, then I'm going to sound like the angry person, and so I don't want to say anything. Then I said it anyway. I'm so glad when I turned 40. <laughs> when I turned 40, I didn't care anymore. <laughs> I just started speaking up, and then you realize that they literally were waiting for you to say something. You got to speak up. So to black women out there and brown women, speak up, speak up. You've got to come to that place where you can't internalize that. It will give you high blood pressure. It will make you sick. You will go home and feel unbelievably sick. And the people who are causing that to happen to you are not important. At the end of the day, they are not significant as much as they want you to think that you, they are. They're not significant to how your life operates. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to get to the point where we recognize that we are important. If we were not important, the white power elite would not have appointed a black woman to run as vice president on a major presidential ticket in an election year that is as torturous as this one is. It recognizes that they have to recognize a large segment of the population who, if you ignore them this time, you are likely to lose them forever. Black women have made significant contributions to the fabric of America. White America needs to stop ignoring black women. Get over your implicit biases. Maybe you just feel like, how dare you come on my turf? It ain't your turf anyway, baby. The Native Americans owned it before your family got here and stole it from them. Let's just be clear about this. Call apples, apples, and oranges, oranges. You're fighting about something that belongs to all of us. So you got here first? Well, the Native Americans were here first. So if anybody's going to get first, it's the them. So since the rest of us kind of came over and locked over, why don't we work together to distribute it? Hmm? Sounds like a better idea. 
sounds like a more workable idea. We have to get behind this black woman who is running for vice president. We have to get behind that. There's a generation coming who is going to grow up in a few years to vote. They need to see faces in public and political spaces that look like theirs. We can't continue to have one group of people dominate who for 400 years we have seen their effects. They've beaten, they've ostracized, they've vilified, they've locked us up, they've lynched, they've raped, they've mutilated, and they've robbed us. Enough. Can we say goodbye to that history? Let's move forward. Let's change the trajectory. Let's change it so that all of us can benefit. I was reading this article and I was struck by something that the workspaces we're in have created such a toxic environment that you literally can't live in them. You can't work in them. You can't thrive in them. You would think that and we raised our children to believe that what they accomplish is 100% up to them, that their trajectory to the top is defined by them and determined by them. That's not true. Your trajectory is determined by the white people who supervise you, the white people who look at you, the white people who demean you. That's who determines that. That is crazy. That is crazy, crazy, crazy. That is something that needs to be addressed. So we've got to get to the stage where now that we recognize since my trajectory in a workspace is not determined by anything I do, no matter how hard I work. And the problem with this is that you work with one group of people and they treat you so badly that you become fearful. You don't even realize it. You go to another workspace and they may be totally different, but you're so accustomed to being treated badly that you don't know how to react because you can't be normal. Because you walk in and you're still like they're judging me, not based on my performance, but based on how I look, how I sound, my presentation, myself, my personhood. They hate the personhood and personification of who you are. That has got to stop. My God, the extent to which this microaggression consumes the workspaces that black women occupy is unbelievable. There's so many black women who have had to leave these kind of toxic work environments and go start their own businesses. First of all, we didn't have the kind of familial support because we don't have 400 years of wealth to, to draw upon. So we're coming from places where our grandparents sometimes still live in rented spaces. Our grandparents don't own a farm or they don't own some land or have had a house that they can pass on down to the next generation. So we're literally building from where we are. And you can't move in the toxic environment that you're in. And so you're just twisting around and around. Some, some, some black women have had to, you know, play the game, <clears throat> pretend to be white, act white, to the denigration of themselves just so they can survive in some workspaces. They won't hire you, so you start a firm and you rely on your white friends. You know, you befriend them and you talk to them and you 
socialize with them and you put yourself down. And when they make microaggressive talk about how black people are, you agree with it and so in the effect saying, I'm not that kind of black. Then you delude yourself into thinking that other black people are going through won't affect you and it's not a part of you. We move into communities to separate ourselves from our fellow black, black folk because we say if we live over here with them, then they won't make me go through the same thing. But our children go to school with them. And our children develop lifelong habits and lifelong post-traumatic stresses associated with having attended white schools where they were micro-aggressively fought on day after day after day, almost seeming like a lifetime, to the extent where they don't even know themselves or know where they come from. Do you see what I'm saying? These are the long-term effects of toxic, racist environments. Nobody likes to talk about it because today people want to brush it under the rug and say, well, if a black woman is running for president, there is no racism. That's exactly why she's running. To reduce and minimize the trauma, trauma, stress and trauma is trauma. To reduce and minimize the trauma that black women receive and are treated in workspaces. Uh, Professor Monica Williams wrote a book, wrote an article on the trauma symptoms of discrimination. She actually created a scale. Would you believe that? She created a scale that is called the trauma symptoms of discrimination. It's a tool for measuring anxiety-related trauma symptoms due to racial discrimination. There's a whole science to this thing. It behooves all of us to go read up some more on this. We need to read this to understand it, and we need to put it into practice. We need to understand where we are coming from so we recognize how important it is for us to make sure that this does not continue to happen. Because I'm telling you that I've been there and I have dealt with it. That's why sometimes I tell folks, I stay in my lane. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I run a nonprofit. I'm good. I am good. How do you respond to discrimination are some of the questions in this tool that Dr. Williams developed. It minimizes, the, you know, in these workspaces, they minimize the trauma. They call it microaggression. So here are some of the trauma effects. Anxiety, depression, lack of sleep, unwanted rebellion. Are you ready for that one? And self-destructive behaviors. That is where the anger black woman syndrome comes from. These things are indicators and point to what? You know what I'm going to say. Mental health. Is that healthy? Are those kinds of environments healthy to work in? No, they're not. Are those environments healthy to learn in? Whether you're in middle school, elementary school, high school, or college, is that kind of environment healthy. If you're in an environment where there are more people who are white and you are not, and they denigrate black people, is that healthy for you? How does it make you feel as being part of a group of kids and pictorialized that way? That's some form of microaggression. That's constantly reminding you that you're not good enough to be among us. We are the best. Where did this idea, did anybody, has anybody ever asked white people where did this come from? I have. Where do you get that from? 
usually they don't do me stuff like that because maybe because they can tell I would ask that question. Because I'm like, explain to me the difference between me and you. What makes you think that one human being to another, you're better than I am? Please tell me on what basis did you arrive at that? Considering, I'm not talking about money, because clearly if you have more money, then you have more money. But tell me, human to human, where, 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 where is the distinction? What makes you think? Where, where do you get that idea? Typically, people can't answer that question. Oh, well, it's just, no, 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 no. You were socialized wrong because that was wrong from the beginning. That was a form of conquest. It's what we call divide and conquer as an ideology. It's a political ideology. So you're going to workspaces where they tell you that, and the workspaces derive that bad. Look at it this way. You're going to workspaces, and they're having a meeting, and they don't include you. You're going to workspaces where you walk into it, and you're supposed to be part of the team, but then when you walk in, they stop talking as soon as you walk into the room. They have meet and greets at their homes and in, 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 in social settings that you're not invited to. That's, those are forms of microaggression. In one of these stories, a, a woman who is a writer was covering a story, and the way in which they wanted her to write about it, she said, I can't do that because it's a negative depiction and I'm not here to continue the constant derogatory, you know, the derogatory uh, characterization of, of people of color. And they told her she was out of touch and her ideas were worth nothing. That's a form of microaggression. It's the same way in which people who sing and rap today, they want to present black women as just pieces of sex, pieces of meat. And black women still continue to attach themselves to that to make money. So they don't sing about white girls like that. Why are you doing that about yourself? Why are you contributing to it? Because you want to make money. I'm calling out Cardi B on that. You let me down, girl. For a brown girl, you certainly have let me down. Why would you sing a song about WAP? Because the white people around you tell you to sing it and to constantly continue the denigration of black women and women of color as if that is all my daughters and sisters and nieces and all my young women whom I have a responsibility, that's all? And you're talking about it in terms of you're making money? Think of all the black women and all the women of color who went before you. Have some backbone. (laughs) It's amazing to me. We have a young woman in our culture, Kim Kardashian, who is constantly fighting for a ratification and a rebranding of her image. The problem is she got older and began to realize that she wants to erase how she started so she can have a platform to launch herself. The fact is none of us are forgetting that. Do you see what I'm saying? Because when she started, it was fun. She was just going to make a lot of money. As she got older, your priorities change. The way you think about things change. And now you find yourself, you have to explain to your kids that it was actually a sex tape mommy. Is that you were that sex tape mommy? Was that daddy behind you? No, then who was it? How did you get started? How did you make money? They can go look it up on Google.com. And yet you have black women who went to school, studied, 
and are in these environments and are mistreated, even right now as we speak. At the end of the day, they have to go home to their family and to their community for a reckoning of who they are. I kid you not. We've got to stop this. The link is in the article on my blog talk page. Go to it and break it down. We've got to continue this conversation. The post-traumatic effects of racism in workspaces is giving black women mental health issues. It causes anxiety. It causes lack of sleep. It causes fearfulness. It causes low self-esteem. And it is done to not revere the woman. It is done to take away from her accomplishments and for her to be seen as someone without value of less value as compared to a white woman. That needs to stop. That is as that was from the 1950s or the 1850s. I don't know. It needs to stop. It wasn't true then, and it definitely isn't true now. So I'm calling all sisters, all women of color. This is your time. This is our time. We need to rise up. We need to speak up and talk about these things and do not be afraid. Let them not hold a paycheck over you. Let them not hold you hostage to a paycheck that determines your outcome. Stay in the space if you can, but then turn around and sue them for treating you and making you be denigrated and take that money and go do something about it. My name is Harriet Kemmock. Go to my website, harrietkemmock.com, as well as visit my pages on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thank you so much, everybody. Today is Thursday. Be blessed, everybody. Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed. Thanks for watching. Be blessed. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.